everybody's always looking for the secret sauce and the golden goose and like, you know, next best thing since sliced bread. Content hasn't changed. Content has always been king. Relevant content has always been king. Quality content has always been king. It just hasn't changed. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Michael Bertini to the show because he's doing a lot of good work right now as the online marketing consultant search strategist at iQuanti. Michael, welcome. Thanks for having me. You know, right now we are in a very interesting time. One of the things that I like to to know from you is what are you working on right now that's exciting even amidst of all of this COVID-19 crisis, this health crisis? Because what I see is next, the opportunity for financial brands is the COVID-19 financial health crisis. Yeah. So... From our perspective, um, it's interesting because like when all this happens, everybody obviously freaks out, you know, it's a, a big panic, right? Like what's going to go down? Are people going to get laid off? I quanti we're fortunate. We're very fortunate in the sense that majority of our clients, our large enterprises, and a lot of them are in financial services. And so right now we, at least from what we're seeing is people are actually doubling down on content. I mean, now that everybody is remote, like everybody, meaning all industries pretty much are remote, everyone's doubling down on content, right? So even though they're pulling back in some paid efforts we've seen, they're creating massive amounts of content and doing a lot of PR for that content. So I, I would say like right now, at least what's new and exciting in all of my conversations is, you know, legal and compliance teams before for a large enterprise takes, you know, six, eight 12 weeks to approve of a piece going out. Yeah. Now it's like within like 24, 48 hours, we're having content being approved, you know, by LNC and saying, yeah, let's push it out. Let's get as much content as we can out there to the market. So it's really good to hear you say that because I can tell you from our worldview and talking with different financial brands, I've heard some concerns from those who work in content because they're typically maybe a little bit lower on the totem pole, they've shared with me in private, they're like, well, I'm kind of concerned. Like if things get bad, my job's gonna go. I'm like, no, you're in a really good place right now being in content because you are the conduit to which you can communicate confidence, you can communicate clarity, and that's what people are looking for in this time of crisis and confusion, right? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Actually, I just had this conversation with a writer yesterday, um, he writes for Forbes and uh, you know a few other big publications. We were just having this conversation. It's like, dude, right now, take as much freelance work as you can. Yes. Like, take as much as you. I mean, this is right now for you to to rack up as much cash as possible. Everybody needs content right now, and I think even amidst like this whole pandemic, 
Like a lot of publications, I'm even getting these emails from, you know, editors that I know, junior editors that I know that are reaching out and like, hey, can you please send me something that is not coronavirus related? Like anything. Dude, send me any sort of content that you have that's not coronavirus related. Our, our readers are asking for stuff like that. It just, and I think that kind of goes, I was listening to a Dr. Phil, you know, his in-home thing or whatever. And he was basically saying, he's like, listen, you have to think about the mental health aspect this is Boom. causing on people, right? And a lot of people, I mean, we all, I, I work from home, right? And, and so I, I understand what it's like all the time, but for somebody who's now in total isolation, right? This takes a toll on you. And then even the concept of like, what's next, this takes a toll on your mental health and we never really talk about these things. And so like, like I think about how this all can, can, can play together. Like marketers really need to take the, take this time right now to get as much content in front of people as possible, letting them know that things are okay. And there's other things to talk about other than just what's going on right now. Happy content, right? Yes. Yes. Because, you know, people are looking for help and hope, you know, people be the rock in the sea of chaos that someone can cling to be the light of clarity to, 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 to create a path forward out of yeah. this darkness. We just had this conversation um, with uh, Amy McGraw at tropical financial, this, this idea of like mental health, there are seven stages of grief that people are literally having to work through in this massive change of environment. So anything that we can do to provide clarity, to provide confidence, to help build someone's courage, it can't be all doom and gloom. I've even told financial brands, look, pull off the coronavirus, like the little, like the the the, the news image of the virus of, on, on, on their COVID-19 page, because that sparks subconsciously like fear, like you're subconsciously communicating fear, right? Like little, little nuances. 100%. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like things like that, you know, and I, I think this kind of goes into like the, like what sits in our subconscious when we see things like that, like you start to panic and, and truth be told. And a lot of people think this affects one certain type of demographic or psychographic. The truth is it doesn't matter how much money you have, if you have your IRAs capped there, you know, your Roth IRAs capped every year. And, you know, I mean, you're, you're a total investor, you're playing the markets. It doesn't matter. It still affects you. It, mm. It'll sit in the back of your head and it'll linger. And that fear is there. So I think the goal needs to be like, let's talk about something and not, not to discredit it, right. Not to put it off because it, it is what it is. It, it's here, right. But give users like in a mental out, right? Give them that opportunity. Like before we had tablets and all these computers and stuff like that, where you'd have to go through a book and read a book and actually, you know, get out of this world, so to speak in your yeah. book, we need to do that. We need to bring that back to users. And I think like users will appreciate it. Um, I did a post recently that said right now is the time where you get to see what brands that like that you want to use in the future, right? How brands behave now, is gonna determine how their users go back to using them or even use them in the future. Man, like this whole theme of content, because content, the what I teach is content is the fuel of the digital growth engine. That's what gets the gears turning, whether it be on the ad front, whether it be on the website, whether it be in marketing automation workflows, whether it be in sales and service enablement, content 
is the fuel that turns these gears. And if people are looking for help, to use your point, if people are looking for an out, I love your analogy of like the of, of books. One of the things that I think is very practical, and I've made this recommendation in a strategic coaching session that I did uh, a couple days ago, is Facebook, social media. Set something up like a, an event and then set up, use Netflix party. Have you seen Netflix party? Oh my gosh, yeah, you're nailing it, yep. That's it. Because you're truly getting people to, I know you're a big Deadpool fan. I know you love like the comics and the movies, but if we can build like these micro communities digitally in this time of isolation, we're human beings. We thrive to come together as, as people, as a community. So Netflix party is one. Um, I think even like I'm a financial brand promote, promote local business, do like cash mobs, like digital cash mobs. Yeah. That's a great idea. Actually, if any, if any of my clients hear that for local businesses, definitely do that. That's a great PR, uh, PR approach. Um, having some of your local, you know, credit unions or branches do that, like in some way, shape or form, help promote the local businesses through social media. I mean, it's huge. And, And unfortunately at a local level, that's where you see a lot of like, you know, credit, Credit unions do a little bit better job, but banks typically focus more on the national level, at least from a search perspective. And so that, that's a great idea, yeah, for, for local branches. Yeah, and, and, and you know, one of the things that what we're seeing is, is the need to move quickly, the need to adapt, the need to evolve, okay. not only our actions, because what precedes actions is our thoughts, what, from your perspective, can financial brands do to not get stuck, but to use this almost as the need? We got to get moving on, on, on this digital strategy piece because some are like dip toe in their water, some eh, not so much. But what do you think? How can they move more quickly at a time like this? I would say, so one of the things, especially I see it like um, it's big with financial brands, especially at an enterprise level is there's so many layers to getting something out. The the, the credit unions, I think, and it's, it's interesting because I, I do, I even talk about this with like the big national brands, but a lot of smaller credit unions can actually take search away, like share a voice away from these bigger brands because they're more agile. Yes. When you think of like, you know, these, these credit unions that are doing really well, obviously I'm in Florida, so I know of a bunch of them here in Florida or a few and here in Florida that do well, but it's because they're agile. When you uh, think, when, when you're at a very, you know, enterprise level, you have all these layers to get through stuff. At some point you have to start chopping layers if you're going to want to be this like demand ready. And so like, I think, I'm not going to say that this is a blessing in disguise, you know, having, you know, a pandemic, but a lot of brands, Right now, this is the perfect time to test an agile strategy because it's like you need to be as agile as possible right now with everything, with your social media responses, with your, you know, somebody writes a review on you, you need to comment back. Like just across the entire board, being as agile as possible, now is the time to do it and now is the time to put it in practice. If, if, if right now you, you had previously a brand manager approving all of content and legal and compliance. It's like, like, does it really have to, to roll that way? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, like, let's take a really practical example, something that I saw come across my feed of, of a brand. They're not in financial services being agile, but it's one of the world's biggest brands to where they change their brand. They have transformed their brand for the time being 
And that's McDonald's. Have you seen what they've oh, done Mickey with D's. the golden arches? Mickey D's, yeah. That's they, genius. They've separated the golden arches to represent social distancing. And what better way to be to be aware and then to be able to take action. Because when you look at Agile, I, I break this down into like four components. Plan, produce, promote, perform. And doing that on a 30-day cycle and then learning and then applying that. But where, to your point, you got all these layers, fear, failure, that, that might be what holds people back. Um, and I think there's got to be some type of leeway of, of dynamics, yes? Yeah, 100%. And it's interesting. So when you go, I think they do well at the planning stage, right? That's where there's not as many layers there, if you will, especially when you're working with an agency like us, you know, we, 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 we help there. But then when you look at performance and it just, you know, generally speaking, a lot of things don't get put out and tested just because of how long. And by the time that, that things get pushed out and tested, you've already missed it, right? Mm. Like you can literally follow Google trends. It's free. Any, any of us can all follow Google trends. Even if you're not a search marketer and you're just a business owner or small business owner, you can follow Google trends. It's absolutely free. And you could see what's going on and what's trending right now. And it's crazy, but you can leverage. Like I assume if I just, I don't know, I was a, I was a, um, a plumber, a local plumber. I would figure out a way <laughs> to look at Google trends and then figure out how I can tie in any sort of what I do into what's trending because it's that easy to get picked up and people think it's this huge rocket science and it really isn't. It is so quick to get picked up and become trending. People do it all the time, yes. super easily, just by watching Google Trends. Yeah, so it's about listening, it's about learning, and it's about applying that learning. Application. And, and, yep, and that's where like, I look at like the digital growth operating environments, there's four of them, there's, there's, there's learn, there's thinking, there's doing, and then there's reviewing. You mentioned that they're good in the planning. I would actually maybe push back a little bit on that. Where I feel like financial brands do a great job is in the execution, the doing, because <laughs> that's where they get stuck, right? Like, like, yeah. and they get heads down and they don't get heads up. And yeah. then they, then the world, the environment changes so quickly. So it's really about creating space and time and making it a habit, making yeah. it a habit. So it's new, like new, new thought process has that have to be created through this. You know, one of the things that, that I saw and, and, and we were published together on this in an article for the financial brand, which we were supposed to both be speaking there this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, we still will, we will. Be, hopefully it, we will. it just uh, pushed out. <laughs> yeah. It just got pushed back and I'm really looking forward to that. But is what's going on, because you've mentioned content, you keep coming back to this idea of content and, and, and we're like minds on this because the ad game is changing so quickly. It has changed so quickly. I've been frustrated for financial brands who are like throwing millions of dollars away and they're not able to even quantify. So let's talk about the changing ad game, particularly with what's coming in 2022 with Google and Chrome and, and, and the limiting of third party, third party pixels. Yeah, I think that, um, so this is, this is tricky, right? Because obviously like I, I, from a marketer's perspective, I'm like, I want as many cookies as possible, right? Yes. Like I want, I want to, I want to have you cookied up so I can know everything about your whole life and then some, right? right. I mean, it's so funny because people are like, oh, my phone is listening to me. If I could do that as a marketer, I promise you, I would do that. Right. Um, now as a user, on the other hand, and understanding, you know, security and privacy, I understand the concerns behind it. 
I mean, and I'm sure if anybody, you know, reads any of the articles that I put out or, you know, where I've been quoted, people know that I am definitely, I go against the grain with Google quite a bit. And that's because, I mean, I've been doing this for some time and I've realized, you know, how much Google says one thing and it's completely doing something else. I think, you know, getting back to this whole concept, our content idea is content, it, having, having these walled gardens, if you will, yes. um, when you're able to have relationships with several sites, right? Where you can offer free content and exchange content and have these, you know, quote unquote partnerships with these sites, you're still able to leverage, if you will, some of this like walled garden concept, right? Correct. Um, content in general is, is, I mean, it's a big weightage in Google's algorithm. Content has always been king. I get asked maybe once or twice a month from, you know, meetings, what's new in Google's algorithm? And everybody's always looking for the secret sauce and the golden goose and like, you know, next best thing since sliced bread. Content hasn't changed. Content has always been king. Relevant content has always been king. Quality content has always been king. It just hasn't changed. I think that you, one, help yourself from a search perspective, but two, going, seeing how Google has been going, not just recently, meaning the past year or so with, you know, wall gardens, but just with everything, how like if you have a paywalled content site, yeah, you lose your rankings. I have a yes. case study on that that I'm working on right now. A big, actually one of the largest financial publications in the United States, if not maybe even globally as a client of ours, and they implemented paywall content, tanked their yep. rankings. Yep. That's crazy to me. Like that, that to me, and, and, but Google will do the exact same thing. That's Google's plan. That's their ultimate goal. Yes. And it's like, as a marketer, you have to think to yourself, how do you future proof, you know, like, how do you make yourself where it's, it's evergreen? And I think like, you have to put a strategy in like now in place where you reach out to all these affiliates that you have, you reach out to even people who you think won't, couldn't possibly be an affiliate to you or a partner and offer some sort of content exchange. This way you can get yourself in some sort of walled garden. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. So what you're, what you're referencing is a lot of what I teach and that is transforming the marketing team to start thinking more like a media publication, a media organization, and less like a traditional, for God's sakes, the, um, uh, you know, I'm kids that play with paint and crayons. You know, I'm a glorified in-house Kinkos. No, we're, we're, we're a media organization and we have a strategy to produce, not only produce, because that's only one half of the equation, but yeah. then to effectively promote the content that we produce, right? Yeah. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And that gets into off page SEO. Sure. Um, you know, it's not about what you say about yourself. You can talk the world about yourself. You can say you're the latest and greatest and the best thing, but it's what others are, are saying about you. But yeah, you definitely want to take that approach. Yeah. That you were referencing. Let me, let me ask you, uh, you know, when we're talking about content production, is there a recommendation to the amount of content a financial brand should consider producing on a monthly basis for relevancy, for ranking, anything from your research that you've looked at there? So every there, there is no cookie cutter solution. I know everybody looks for it, especially like we'll get into meetings and everyone's like, you know, how many words should I write? Like what's the good, you know, a good amount of words I should be writing, right? Or how many, you know, content pieces should I produce a month? It's really based on competition, right? who you're competing against. So if, if you're like many of these financial brands and you're competing against an aggregator like NerdWallet, right? yeah. who, by the way, we, we all built. And by we all, I mean all the brands who decided like, I'm not going to create content. That's a dumb idea. You never make money off of creating content. It's like, well, now you have NerdWallet, right? And right. you now pay NerdWallet a fee for all those referral business, right? Yep. Um, I think that if you're competing against somebody like a NerdWallet, especially if you're a smaller institution, I would say try to think of a different, you know, content strategy. An angle, different angle. Yeah, different angle, exactly. Um, Both from a topic perspective, but also from a quantity perspective. It's just so difficult to compete. I'll tell you like, because here's the opportunity that I see, because you got the big players, and if I'm a smaller, like local institution, that's the opportunity is to try to focus more locally, number one, and number two, I kind of have given just because people like, well, can you just give me some guidance? I'm like, look, three to 5,000 words per month. Let's just like, kind of yeah. get that as a friend. It's almost like I'm a, I, you, know, you go to the gym and you're asking, well, just give me some reps to do. Okay, well, <laughs> here, here, do these you know, 30 minutes on the treadmill, 15 minutes on the stair stepper, just to at least kind of get started. Once again, kind of create the habit. But yeah. then when, when you start saying, well, three to 5,000 words per month, I see the look of like fear come across their face. How are we going to do that? Freelancers, freelancers, there's content going back to what we were you know, talking about earlier. It's, it's, there's so many writers that work remote mommy bloggers, right? They're, they yes. will like target these people, like send them an email, find a mommy blog, send her, you know, send her an email, find a daddy blogger, send him an email, right? Ask them, Hey, look, we'll pay you whatever 50 bucks a piece, right. Or something like that. If you're, you know, smaller, you're 75, whatever it is, whatever the fee is, hire freelancers to create this content for you. And then as far as like, if if you were looking for that, like, where's a good place to start, like you were saying in building a habit, do press releases, do make, start off with two press releases a month, right? Just get some content out there to market, get your name known, cover that, whatever that niche is, that angle that you're, you know, you're looking to cover that won't compete with the bigger sites, find whatever that angle is. And then, and then, you know, put a, put some content together and then put a press release out as far as content on your site. So if I were dealing with, if I were speaking to somebody like, let's say tropical financial, right? I would say, put together several content calendars, one content calendar that talks about your on-page content, right? Things like blog kind of content that can go out in, you know, email blasts that can uh, go out on your social media that you could use for remarketing and page content, set the foundation on your website. Cause that's critical, but then create supporting content for that content. 
right? And then push that out as well through press releases. You can find a press release now. I mean, they're dirt cheap these days. They're like $149, right? Yeah. For a single press release. That single press release can generate a lot of, of buzz for you. Local buzz, national buzz. You can have other editors finding in and say, hey, I like that. Can you write this piece for me? I mean, there's a lot you can be doing right now. You know, you. I really like where you're coming, the angle that you're attacking this problem with, you know, freelancers. There's a gentleman by the name of Philip Taylor or PT Taylor, um, and he has a platform called FinCon. And there's even a FinCon marketplace that you can go and find people who are already creating these micro brands, micro influencer brands around like things like personal finance that I know would love to create content and be able to expand that, transfer their knowledge. And I think that's the key. Like we're, we, we were in the service economy. We've moved into the experience economy my prediction as we continue down this path we're going to be moving into either the the knowledge economy or, or what i would call the expert economy and that's where like content can be played to position yourself as the expert within the communities a financial brand serves when we look at there's a lot of opportunity to create there's a lot of opportunity to capture what should a financial brand on the flip side be aware of, of not getting distracted? There's a lot of bright, shiny objects. And I think we're on the same page with this one as well. Voice search, yeah. hype or help. That's all hype. That is all hype. It's, Voice. Been, <laughs> it's been making its way. It's been making its rounds in the, in, in, in the uh, industry trades. Like that's the next big thing. And I'm right there with you, bro. Like yeah. I, I get into so many meetings, James, where it's like, you know, once again, these algorithm meetings where everybody wants to know, especially when you get, you know, SVP level, what's the next, you know, what's the thing we need to be looking at for the future? Um, and no shots, by the way, at, at my friends who are SVPs at, at these brands, but, but it, it's one of those things that like, it's like Answerbox, right? When Answerbox came out, yep. everybody's like, yeah, push it hard. Look, these click-through rates are massive. You're, you're literally positioned zero. Yeah. You're at the top, right? Everyone's going to see you or whatever. And I remember, um, so actually one of my mentors and somebody, I mean, I look up uh, since the beginning of time, um, Rand Fishkin, he, uh -huh. he, um, Moz. he, Moz, yep. He used to run the show over there. Now he's at, you know, he did, he's doing his own thing at Spark Toro, but just an amazing guy. He's totally like against the grain. He will tell it how it is kind of person. I'm just an, an amazing guy, but he came out um, with some data, but I remember being in these meetings and saying, guys, maybe we shouldn't really focus on, on answer box, right? Because yeah. think about it. Like, at least when I've seen it, I don't click it. I see it. I get my answer. If I don't get my answer, I scroll down or I research what I'm looking for. Right. I'm not actually clicking it. And so Rand did this study and he found out the exact same thing. And then even, you know, that, that challenged us to go and look at client data. And we found out that they actually convert lower having that answer box result. Do they get more visibility? I mean, sure. Yeah, they're, they're gonna get, you know, they're listicle, right? right. Um, they're gonna get whatever their how-to is, but they're not, ultimately that doesn't pay any bills, no. right? It doesn't generate any money for anybody. Yep. Um, and so it actually hurts us. And Google's whole goal, and I've, I've been quoted on this before, but Google's whole goal is to keep you on Google. That's where they make money. Exactly. It is not to send you away from Google. and so many times when I've spoken at conferences or in meetings or speaking with other SEOs, training them, they're constantly on this idea, like 
Google is for helping you out. Google is not for helping you out. Google is for helping Google out. They want yes. you to stay on their platform and that's how they generate money. It's so funny to hear you say that because I bust my wife on this all the time when I'm seeing her search something and she clicks, she, you know, even if it's like a branded search term and then she'll click on the top, that first link. I'm like, you just cost them like $10. Don't do that. Go to the first organic search term. And, and I can't tell you like, even like with branded search, like how much money is thrown away just because it, but oh, yeah. it, it makes, it makes Google money. And I, especially I, these days. Oh yeah. In 2020, like, let's say go back seven or 10 years. Let's go back a decade. I didn't have these issues with clients 10 years ago, a decade. I was not seeing people compete. Like I did not see Bank of America compete with Chase for their own terms, yep. right? Like that was not a thing. Now you have big brands like Chase paying. I mean, I, I'm not going to go into budget, but big money oh, we've seen, just yeah. to rank for their name. Mm -hmm. How is that fair? That yeah. doesn't even make sense. That yeah. should, should not be a thing. But why is it a thing? Because Google makes it. And yeah, because Google wins. Google's the only yeah. winner, and it's like a zero sum game at that point. And I like what you're yeah. saying about Rand. Like when everyone is doing like, and I'm the same way. Like I'm a contrarian. When everyone's going yeah. down that path, I'm like, well, that's too many people. Let's go down this path. Let's just see what's there. Yeah. There might be something. There might not be. It's just my inquisitive nature. So, man, this is. It's been such a fun conversation, Michael. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate the time and, and you dropping, dropping some knowledge and sharing some insights. Let's look ahead. Two years into the future, a bigger, better, brighter future for us all. What is one thing that you feel needs to happen for financial brands between now and then for financial brands to continue to make progress along their digital growth journey? Uh, so this is going to be a little bit... <laughs> So I know I'm going to piss a, a lot of people off with saying this, but um, it's sticking to the foundations. A lot of brands are all looking for these different like angles, if you will, to take and like, you know, these next golden gooses and they completely go off foundational stuff. And the only thing I could think of, right, is when you look at a martial art, right? When you look at something like, a, you know, karate or taekwondo or any martial art, right? Of jujitsu, wrestling. I remember my wrestling coach, both in middle school and high school, both coaches actually telling me specifically coach Phillips, my high school wrestling coach telling me, learn these, these set of moves, become the best at these moves and drill them over and over and over, drill them so much that whenever something happens, it will automatically trigger, make right? them a habit, make, make them, a them habit. A, make them a habit. Exactly. And I, re, and it's so funny because even till this day, right. And I have a background um, in a few different um, disciplines, but even till this day, my wrestling, somebody goes like my son, right. Goes to, you know, grab me. And I have certain reactions <laughs> that are just automatic, right. No. Or certain training that I've had, you know, with firearms training where certain things just are automatic because you've done it so much. They're, they're foundational. Nature. Exactly. And so we need to get back. If, if brands really want to be evergreen for real, evergreen, not just, you know, this, you know, conceptually, you know, the, the concept of being evergreen, but really be evergreen is go back to what the foundation is. So when you think of an algorithm, right, everything revolves on two things. The, the, the two biggest things is going to be 
user experience, right? Your website. So having a functional website that performs well, these days obviously it needs to be fast enough for mobile devices, right? But then the biggest, the absolute biggest thing is your content, yeah. is having all of the content in place. That's the foundation. Like people talk about, let, let's build links, right? I, I hear that all the time. And, and it's funny because I spent a large portion of my career as a black hat SEO selling links, hypothetically speaking, selling links, right? Um, we, we, all, we all have a, a questionable past. In some <laughs> exactly, fashion. right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, and I remember like being approached and even to this day, sometimes I'm approached, it's like, let's build backlinks. How do I get more links? I want links, right? All these link things. And it's funny because I made so much money selling links and hypothetically selling links at one point. And then obviously Google penalized everybody, but um, you know, for that tactic, but you don't build links to pages that don't exist, right? If you don't have content that's talking about how to save money traveling or your travel rewards card or how to, you know, um, tips to saving for vacations, right? If you don't have that content, nobody wants to link back to your sales and marketing pages. That's right. People don't want that. Stop trying to marry people before you court them, right? So getting back to the foundation and building content is going to be key. Man, like what a great way to like wrap this up in a bow because we see as we're moving into this COVID-19 financial health crisis, a lot of people are going to be affected. But what does not change is this. Money has been stressful. Money is stressful. And money will continue to be stressful regardless of the environment that we're in. And it is our job as financial brands to reduce the stress, to provide help and hope, and then to provide a clear path forward to a bigger, better, brighter future. And the way that we start to do that is through the content that we produce, we promote, and ultimately, you know, date, court, before yeah. you ask for that hand in marriage, because this is, it takes time for someone to make the right decision. So very, very good stuff. How can someone get in touch with you if they have additional questions or just want to connect and say hello, Michael? LinkedIn is the the best place. Um, There's a few Michael Bertinis, but um, I'm the Google Ninja. Um, So that's how you can find me on on LinkedIn. And then uh, if, as as far as getting in touch via email through iQuanti, so uh, michael.bertini at iQuanti.com. And uh, yeah, either of those places. I know some people love Twitter. I'm also on there, Bertini uh, with two eyes at the end. And yeah. We'll get all that linked up in the show notes. Michael, hey, thanks for joining me. Another great episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me. Until next time, be well, do good, and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.